We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. What's up? It's your boy, Citizen Stewart, Citizen Chris, with the Eight Black Hands crew. We got Sharif El Mecky, Mr. Ankrum, Dr. Charles Cole in the mix. Uh, we were just talking about how this has been tonight. One of the worst halftime oh my shows God. He's ever a hater. in the history. It, in the history he was a hater. Shows. I hate him. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. One, one of my favorite halftime shows of all time for me. I loved it. I loved it. Ah, oh, y'all almost lost me tonight. That's how good it was. Continue, you know what? Sir. Listen, Peter. I'm glad. I'm glad it came on before we were able to do the show because we we tonight's show is about uncomfortable <laughs> history. But let's talk before we get into that. Uh, we usually check in. We don't need to check in. Y'all know who we are. We're the eight black hands. If we haven't been, to we don't do the check in for them, bro. We do the check in for us. Okay, see now you don't start causing problems early. You just gonna start causing problems early, just like right away. Just gonna come in late and just char- start. Char- Anyways, how you doing, Ray? Let's check in, bro. I appreciate that. Yo, black mental health in this space is super important. I am okay. so thankful to be amongst the living, and thank you for checking in with me, sir. How are you tonight, sir? <laughs> How are you doing? Well, let's ask the other fellas first. Let's start with Dr. Charles Cole, since he's having a bad take uh, before the show. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, I have been writing and working and uh, happy to be here with you all. I, I'm very, very happy about that halftime show. It made me extremely happy. So uh, I will be watching that again, and I'm going to watch it on Oculus later. On the Oculus Rift, I can't, I can't wait. So you mm. hater. All right, let Zuckerberg Chris, get you in that Oculus. Any of the other eight black hands around music, the same way Ray feels about Sharif with clothes, and it, yes, because you, because you're a winner, Raymond. Because you're a winner, Raymond. That's why. The same way Ray Akram feels about Sharif El Mecky and clothes, is how I feel about that guy up there in the top. Uh, box around music. C- continue, Sharif El Mackey. How are you doing, brother? Uh, the, the one here who who has good taste. Yeah, I mean, it's, how it's, you doing? There's two of us with with good taste. That's you know right. I mean? That's yeah. Right. I, I mean, I'm doing well, man. I was I was using the Oculus to you know live my <laughs> best life uh, earlier. Like, <laughs> like what, what is it? What is it? What is it? Like I'm watching it again on the Oculus. Like on the Oculus. The Oculus. I got me an Oculus. <laughs> then he reaches in and, and pulls something out. But no, doing well, man. Good to you know. Good to good to be back. Good to be back. Good to see y'all. That's good. Uh, I think all of us are lying. Uh, it's trying time. We're doing our best in our lives to uh, stay above water, to work hard, to crank out things that matter to the world. And God bless us for being able to uh, um, enjoy anything right now. Just to enjoy stuff. Just to like, like, like Charles enjoyed this halftime. All y'all enjoying this game. The four of y'all that, that are probably watching right now are enjoying the game in another year. So let's so. Any little joys that you can have, if you're enjoying anything right now, God bless you, because do it. Because the world is a, a smoke and a blaze with stupid people doing stupid things at high levels. 
we can't get the supply chain figured out. Uh, <laughs> we just can't get the supply chain figured out. I don't let's, know. Just, let's just start there with the supply chain. I don't know what it's going to take to get the goddamn you know supply chain. So cars are 30, 40% more than what they would normally cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of y'all with leases. Watch what's going to happen when y'all get ready to renew. And some of y'all cars... You better buy it out. Buy it out now. Buy it now. to get them keys back. Take buy it. No, buy it out, man. Buy it. You don't. You, you don't already hey, you had buy, it for a while. Hey, so you so. Buy, buy the lease out. Buy the lease out and then sell the car. You done made like five grand. Or just take the chip out of it and sell the chip by itself. Just <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the chip out of it, you know, and sell that. But you know what? Listen, uh, for a lot of our friends and family, and for people in our communities right now, it's it's no joke. Like. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Like, Ray, you sent me that thing that was talking about uh, inflation. And I laugh it off a little bit, you know, just just because, I mean, inflation, how it's hitting you depends on what you buy and where you buy it from. Now, if you're Sharif el and you get uh, eggs for free, like just going out your backyard. I was going to say it, because right? inflation <laughs> hit milk. <laughs> hit if, you just, if you could just go in your backyard and milk some goats, then you're good, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you're paying for it, uh, that's a different story. So, uh, so just want to say we are not flippant about our own people and what they're experiencing right now. And it's good for us to be able to laugh because Lord knows I needed it. this last two weeks for me, mental health wise or whatnot. It's one of those. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm blessed. I got food. I got this. You know that thing. While in the in the backdrop, there's a lot of noise happening in yeah. the head. Lots of other stuff that's going on as I'm telling me, myself that consistent story that I tell myself. So anyways, um, we got a show tonight that we were going to talk about Uncomfortable History Month. Right. Because I wrote a piece earlier this month that said I'm not I'm not celebrating Black History Month this month. I'm celebrating Uncomfortable History Month because y'all keep trying to outlaw it and you keep trying to outlaw the discomfort of people. Yeah, I won't be uncomfortable. So let me pass a law. Really? Well, then I only want to talk about the stories this year that make people uncomfortable, right? That's the only ones. I don't want to talk about George Washington Carver making a spaceship out of peanuts. I don't want to talk about any of that stuff this year. Do you want to talk about, about Sharif Elmecki being a supervillain rubbing on a rabbit in our show today? <laughs> no. <laughs> a Ray, I would, I, listen, he, if, if he's ever given Ray a red carpet that he didn't grab, is right now. I just was waiting for Ray. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, don't, no even, I don't even bother no <laughs> it's too easy. Hey, when he put those when he put the Timberlands on Facebook. stock went down. <laughs> oh my god! It took the stock down. <laughs> Timberland stock tumbled. It was like doom, 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 doom. <laughs> well, hey, listen. So, before so, we jump in, do we want? Well, Ray, what you gonna say, man? Go ahead. I just want to. I, I want to just swing it to the fellas to see what has brought y'all joy in this past week. Because I know for me, what has brought me joy is uh, this Netflix uh, documentary, The Twinder Swindler. <laughs> Tinder oh, Swindler? You would be yes. excited about that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so dude basically, on, on Tinder, right? Yeah, yeah. So, dude, yeah. Uh, dude from uh, Israel made, made a profile on Tinder. Uh, that, didn't Jasmine Sullivan have a I made a profile on Tinder? Yeah, 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 bars. Anyways, he made a profile on Tinder and was and was going around the world uh uh doing a a love Ponzi scheme. Uh so he was using money that he was embezzling from one woman to pay for the next woman, and it was absolutely amazing until I saw the people that were being duped. Um mm, yeah. Mm, why? Because were they sympathetic? 
I mean, bro, they so so all of them had like the the love bug, right? They just wanted to be loved, man. And so when you and we're coming up on Valentine's Day, when you are in a vulnerable place and you're lonely and you know, you'll go out and you'll do some desperate things, man. So when people are taking advantage of of these women that are doing uh that are just wanting love, man. My heart goes out to them. And Nicole, be quiet. You always. And it's not. Just, it's not just women either, bro. I mean, like, there's some, there's some, there's some Urkels out there. <laughs> there's some Nicole. Urkels out there getting hit. You know, they get hit <laughs> like four times. There's some Urkel. There's some Urkel situation. Yeah, there's some Urkels out there getting hit with the five dinners, the five dinners, you know, <laughs> the eighteen drinks, the fifteen trips to the Red Lobster. You know, and they yeah yeah, bro. Don't 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 put it all on one people there's some different stuff going on i feel sorry right now i don't know what it is but i have heard stories from people i'm so old and out of the the game i i I like have heard stories from people that are just painful like it's the the whole swipe left swipe right go on the first date figure out it was a mistake do it again rinse wash repeat you know find out all kinds of, you know, I don't know. Why is Sean so quiet? Terrible. What? What? He's so thinking quiet? about all those, all those Tinder dates. He's like, I better not get get taken. Don't do him that. Don't do him that. Don't do him that. No, no. Charles is Charles is Charles is finding himself. He is in a relationship with himself and his goals. Good. I'm gonna let you marry people. You 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 people with kids and stuff. Y'all gonna have that conversation. You know what? I saw something yesterday <laughs> that said that the happiest people. I don't know if it was in America or in the world, but it's one or the other, are childless women who aren't married. Mm. Uh, I can see that. Are the highest on the happiness index. Mm. Can you see it for real, though? Because it feels like... All this money that be coming out of my account and stuff. <laughs> Man. <laughs> okay, different show. Anyways, uh, well, before we jump into our topic here, we're 10 minutes in. But still, uh, you know, it's a free-flowing show because Eight Black Hands started with us free-flowing and talking what I remembered... Just as a matter of fact, where I'm at right now in this exact spot, as a matter of fact, I think mm-hmm. we had a show a long time ago about Jay-Z and the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talk about that coming full circle. Show. Yeah. What, was when was that? Show. It was a long time ago. And talk about coming right full right circle to where we are right now with, with the NFL. I did think about during the halftime show, I did think about that this is all happening on the backdrop of them facing another diversity kind of situation, diversity scandal. And and I thought maybe there was going to be something in the halftime show that would pull up like a Beyonce on a pull some formation and and like, you know, smack people up and whatnot. So what's that? No, I saw in the end zone it was printed and racism. So I think I saw that. I mean, it was, I mean, Kendrick did his. Racism is over. Kendrick did his militant thing. Uh, Eminem took a knee during his performance. Uh, and the NFL asked him not to. Why did he and, notice that? Yeah, they told him not to. But I think they took oh, really? the camera off of when he did it. But he he did it standing next to Dr. Dre, so you couldn't not see it or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean. And Dr. Dre was like, I ain't getting down on a knee. You don't know how old I am. <laughs> that shit no, 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 no. I mean, they might give, I mean, they might probably give a couple on. police officers pause before they shoot somebody, you know, <laughs> next week. So, um. Nah, the pants Dre had on, ain't no way he was getting down and coming back up. 
Okay, before we go into the next topic, because I do want to stay here for a second, because we did a show on this before. Help me understand, because I I can't, listen, I don't pay enough attention when I read these things between the lines. Is the whole thing that is up right now is because one coach didn't get a job? Is that the real, no, is that nah, the real story here? No, and, and actually, I'll, I'll start and then throw it to Ray, because I know Ray and them did a full show on the Rooney Rule. I'm jumping in because my students had utilized the spirit of the Rooney Rule to push OUSD to actually be uh, more forthright with their diversity goals around teachers and principals and stuff like that, right? Um, but we we wrote something. So basically, it was saying, basically, the, it's that the, the, the Rooney Rule, for those that don't know, is, is the requirement that you have to at least interview uh, coaches of color, black coaches, give them an opportunity. That's how Mike Tomlin got his job and for a minute was the only black coach in the league. And he's also never lost a season. He's never had a losing season. The worst he's had was a tie season. So um, Brian Flores is basically suing because they had him go out and still do this interview in New York when New York had already had their guy and on accident, <laughs> Bill Belichick. So <laughs> the person that got hired, Brian Flores <laughs> and the other Brian, they both yeah. came up under Bill Belichick. So it's like if me and Ray were both going up for a job and we came up out at Brightbeam and you accidentally texted me and saying, congrats, Charles, you got the job before I went to go do my interview. But it was really Ray that got the job. I'm like, yo, this is a sham. Like you, like, what's the point of me like doing all this stuff or whatever? And he just has a lot of evidence. Um, and, and it's a different type of lawsuit. So we'll see how far it goes. Um, but it's and really there's not many like him, right? There's not many black coaches. No, it's only three right now. So, yeah. so there's three, yeah. well, actually there's two and a half. Well, so, yeah, because the other one said he wasn't black. Well, he said uh, he's he said a new he OG. Oh, is that that new one that he was yeah, like? Wait, 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 oh, my God. Where's he coaching? He, he part of the beige he brigade. He said Florida. beige people back Miami 30 years. Miami. Yeah, he, he said beige people back like a millennia. Like with that, that <laughs> I don't even want to go into it. I don't even want I should. I wish we had the clip to show that. That was a hot mess. Okay, Where's so it is. Producer? it's a bigger problem than one coach. Uh, suing it is a bigger kind of situation uh yeah. with with them all right uh um and charles i mean i think that's dope that, that the young people are using a real life example yeah and then applying it to something in their old life in education as like very dope yeah i mean they were using the spirit of it right because we knew then that the Rooney road didn't work but we were but we they spoke about the spirit of hey let's be transparent let's actually set goals around improving or having more black teachers more black principals you know like show it in the budget and it's so and if you fall short you fall short but at least if you are making you know some stands at least the community can be part of that and and like i'm working on this report in cleveland right now the hardest stat to find was uh, the the racial the racial makeup of educators. So what a lot of districts are doing now is that they're just not putting us they just not putting that information up. So they have demographics, and if they do staff demographics, it'll be of the full staff, right? So that's including janitors and whoever gets a check. But it's becoming more and more difficult to actually find uh, teacher demographics. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Sharif and them have found like a better way to do it, but me and well, my it's because other researchers. It's because of Sharif. It was it's it's because, because of Sharif it. and because of you that they're hiding the stuff now. And <laughs> I may, if I may add, the Rooney Rule is not a wash. It's just the way that it's being implemented. Either. Yeah, the yeah. way that it's being implemented, like it's it's a disingenuous uh, uh, implementation. That's the problem with the Rooney Rule. It's like 
you know, I, I, I think that there was a black coach that came out to your neck of the woods, to Minnesota, uh, Chris, and did like a, a nine-hour interview. And then the next day, he wasn't a guy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but why isn't it? Why isn't it? A, uh, you know, you you like the Rooney Rule. All they all they ask them to do is interview, right? Like that doesn't change. Yeah, I mean, and that's, mindset. Yeah, like, and that's the that's and cool. that's the argument. Like, Sharif, like, the Rooney don't go far somebody, and and then that checks that checks the box just to interview. I, I you yeah, know, like, mean, damn, at least that's step one, though. I mean, at least that gets you through the door, I guess. Well, the know? spirit, well, and that's how, Not but that's really. how Tomlin got his job, right? So, like, you know, they had who Bill Cowher before. Like, if you look at organizations like, and the again, Steelers, keep in mind, the Steelers are a little bit different too. Their history, and, and that's what I'm saying. But it's the thing, though, right? The and the only way Mike Tomlin got his job, Tomlin is a Rooney Rule hire, but he's mm-hmm. so good. But this is the thing. This is where it becomes a little interesting, right? Mike Tomlin is such a good coach. Like, you have to be damn near Mike Tomlin-esque. He's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. He's never had a losing season. I'm a Bears fan. We had Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith, what Lovey Smith did with the Bears with no quarterback, Mm -hmm. with no quarterback against Peyton Manning, right? And then he had a few seasons where he had, you know, where they were like rebuilding, but they ain't had nowhere near the success that Lovey has had. So when this all this controversy happened, the Texans were actually interviewing other people. And I think they got that call from the boss because Lovey is on that, 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 that staff. And all of a sudden, Lovey Smith is now the new head coach of the Texans, right? Who are also having a different issue with Deshaun Watson. See, we can, we can do the, we can do the sports podcast too, y'all. I, we own it. I, mean, I just want to stick here for a second and just say this, like, uh, it just seems like if you keep going down this path, you're going to open up another door and another door and another door mm-hmm. and another door. I mean, we can all probably in our lifetime remember where a black quarterback was seen as a thing that wasn't going to happen yet or wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like like it was a big deal or whatever, you know, because we could play every position but that one for some reason. Oh, I mean, it's like, even worse than that. Like, was like, the first one. You know? Chris, the funny thing is this is the part where you're going nicer than normally. I mean, the, the, the thought was that black quarterbacks are dumb. Right. Like they can only use their legs. They can only be athletic. You know what I mean? And like we don't entrust them. And black quarterbacks are actually lighting it up right now in the NFL. So the highest rated the test, which is the test that they use in order to measure uh, the scholastic aptitude of of quarterbacks. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the highest rated uh, Wonderlick test was Kaepernick. If I'm not mistaken, I was. I don't know that. Well, I can say this much. You know, for a fact that that uh, Kaepernick doesn't have a job. (laughs) Right. Kaepernick's washed. And, 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 you know, but let me just say this. You have it is from a long time ago. It's done. I mean, he's cooked. He's been cooked for a long time. But you have to know that there were some people that were playing that position in that role. Whether you think he was great or terrible or in the middle, whatever you thought he was, you know that there were people in that position and on other teams that didn't belong there. That shouldn't have been having that having that role. It shouldn't be a quarterback, right? If he's out, if he's going to be out, there should have been some other people out, too. I mean, you talk about um, failing up a lot in other spaces, right? Like, and this is disciplinary I mean, promotion. Yeah, it's a perfect example of that. Yeah, failing upward. And 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 we it's something that we participate in so much though, because they couldn't do anything without black folks in any of these leagues. What are they, 70% of the league? Or I mean, they like, have, like, it, yeah. it, it's like it's 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 you our count it's, you can count the black game. coaches on one hand. The black coaches it, for for a long period of time, like a black quarterback was seen to what Charles said. I forgot about that, but it really was like supposed to be the intellectual part of the team, and that's why mm-hmm. we couldn't have that role. Um and and I, I I don't know I know I've talked to you about this, Sharif. Maybe Charles, you and I talked about. It. I know Ray and I talked about it. When Minnesota had Denny Green mm-hmm. and Randy mm-hmm. Moss and Chris mm-hmm. Carter, 
Mm-hmm. And Robert Smith. I could keep going down the list. Had a whole ass team. Randall. The Vikings had, had the other uh, boy. Uh, the quarterback. Uh, Dante uh, Culpepper. Culpepper. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If you were listening to sports radio here in Minnesota during that time, you would have thought we had the worst team ever in history and that Denny Green was the worst coach ever and that Dante Culpepper had little hands and didn't know how to make plays. Yeah. They railed on this. Every, uh, Randy was a. Was, uh, uh, was a gangster, and Chris Carter was the cancer of, a, of the team. The way that sports radio and sports fans rode that team out of town, out of existence, uh, should tell you everything you need to know about the, the about uh, uh, yeah. about sports, right? About the NFL. But you was living in Minnesota at that time, though, right? Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, for the people that don't know, that don't, if you don't listen to AM, like AM, like sports radio talk, I mean, it's brutal just in general. It's everywhere, probably the, everywhere is brutal, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah everywhere right. is brutal. And it's almost I mean, like the comments. His, his and sports radio was crazy during a dynasty, right? Like when Jordan was going to six ring, Bulls radio was crazy. But I mean, it's y'all think that education is a blood sport. Go, Delve into sports radio. That's a, that's a fun place to be, especially if you're in a, if especially if you're in a big market. If yeah. you're in a big market, like if you if you're in LA right now and you Russell Westbrook, man, you you could you you could go and kiss God. And you still they Skip Bayless is still gonna be attacking you the next yeah. day. I mean, he's in Seattle, but I got you. I mean, but he's a big name. But yeah, it's, it's rough. I mean, who's in Seattle? Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. I'm, I'm sorry, my bad. I'm, I'm, we were talking about football. I was thinking of uh, Wilson. <laughs> I'm thinking of Russ. But you know what though? I mean, but but listen, bro. I mean, we look. We can we can easily we should, we we can easily spin off and do a sports one. Hey, bro. the versatility of this podcast besides hey. Reef. I know. I, I but on Super Bowl much. Sunday, we definitely losing the few people that showed up for us. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, jump in, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before we do, I'll just say this much. Charles just came up with a very good idea, though. What if there was an AM sports radio for schools? That's how I view us, though. Huh? Yeah, huh. that's how I viewed us. I mean, that was kind of like, <laughs> I feel like our thing is like, we have real talk that's accessible to people. You know what I'm saying? The way AM, we just don't have a caller list, but if bro, we do I'm that. Not, we, we're not, we not no AM, bro. We FM or XM. All right, bro. I've been on AM radio, bro. AM radio is kind of cool, bro. I'm just letting you know. Sports, <laughs> hey, man. I did, I did, I did talk radio for a minute. Like some of the people yeah. that came, that, that, that follow me now, I got from there, man. It's, it's, it's. I like AM. I like talk radio, man. It's it's a different monster. We should actually look into it. I mean, I think you might like it, Ray. Actually, to be real with you. Okay. Right, before but. we move on to the next one, I'm just gonna because you're a good crew. Like, listen, I get half my information on sports from y'all. So, uh, uh, NFL, NBA. Who's got the bigger problem with what we're talking about right now? Oh, NFL, NFL, NBA. Players run the NBA. What are you talking? Like, it's not even. Yeah. A, it's a player-driven league. Why? Because yeah. they both have unions, right? They got they unions, have- but but the union, but one, first off, NBA, you just get guaranteed money is just a totally different thing. Like, like right. LeBron James, two superstars run the league. They can James Harden just forced his way out of two teams. Like he just stopped playing was, and got that, fat. That was tra- that was trash. Don't disrespect the beard, bro. Don't disrespect oh, oh, the beard. Oh, shut up. Shut up, Sharif. He's been in Philly for two days. You, you, hey, Rio, you already said that he's... he's Not even he's two days. Yeah, he got here yesterday. He's a component. He's a component of And his man's Daryl Morey went and picked him up in a jet, even though it was an hour and a half away. And then Ben Simmons, he, he got his feelings hurt. And then he just stopped playing. Like... In NFL, bro, they, 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 Goodell will call the owner. The owner will make a call. And your ass will be done. So like, it don't matter. Like, there's nobody bigger than the league in NFL. Like, they suspended Tom Brady for a year. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, 
you ain't thinking. Come on, bro. Picture the NBA suspending LeBron James for a year. It will never happen. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but but that's, a, that's another that's another thing, though, right? It, like there's there's a, a greater opportunity for you to be a, a black owner in the NBA than it mm-hmm. is for you to be a black owner in the NFL. Absolutely. And also, in addition to that, it's like you have black athletes that aren't afraid to like to to, to use their platforms for good in the NBA as opposed to the, the NFL. NFL is 70% black. If those mm-hmm. black athletes ever at any given time were like, hey, you know what? We need more black coaches or we're not going to play. Then you get more black coaches. Yeah, but the thing with the NFL, man, is so many more people on the team and their money's not guaranteed. So it's a whole, there's a, listen, we, we're going to go down more people. That's, a, that's another thing, right? It's a lot more people, right? It's, it's a lot more people on the team. It's, it's hard yeah. to get everybody on one accord. And you're a bigger star in the NBA. We get to see your face. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and your money okay, is, is this guaranteed. Wrong? Is this wrong though? You had to be smarter to be in the, in the NBA. Like every every play every player on the court in the NBA is not just muscle. You wait in the water. You you wait in the water, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that to be true. I yeah, I don't everybody either. everybody has to be a playmaker. Yeah, on the on the court. I would say you have a, to be smarter in, the, in, in, in MLB. No. You'd probably have to be smarter, but nah, man. I mean, it's all it feels like you man. could be really dumb in the DFL or, or in the NFL and just be on the line or something. I mean, like dumb that. is relative, no, you, right? Dumb is mean like dumb, dumb. I just mean you just be the muscle. You can no, because you still got you still you have to study it's film. It's, you have it to, takes, you it takes thinking to uh, okay. Yeah, all right, if you if you if you think Aaron Donald is dumb and he just crashing into people, right? You 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 tripping like that dude is. Is sharp like I mean, cats- listen. I watched the Blind Side, and uh, <laughs> oh my God. that dude was smart. He was really smart. He turned <laughs> out to be smart. the movie. The movie turned out to not be true. The movie turned out to be treating him like he was. He was uh, less smart than he actually is. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Sir, will you please jump into the show? Where we got Hollywood. I just want to tell you, this is back to the real basics of the show. This is back to when it I was love fun. This, this is this what is we used to do. Fun. This is when it was fun. Right? I don't want to do this. this. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I like it. I, listen, I mean, but it's funny because <laughs> the topic that we got, right? Like, we just go, we just got the topic. And I was like, I have no idea. what. So I'm really interested in the example. Let me set you up for the topic because you're going to give us our first play then, right? <laughs> right? So let's set up for the topic. This year, I said that I didn't want to, I did not want to celebrate Black History Month like every other year. It felt okay. like a formality, and I'm I didn't want to do it this year. And you got legislators across the country trying to outlaw our history, trying to take it out the books, just remove them. So, and their number one reason for doing it is they don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. And by anyone, I mean, they don't want white kids feeling uncomfortable. Right. And I thought, well, damn, you could pass a whole ass law about your comfort. Damn your comfort. Let me tell you some stories that gonna make you really uncomfortable. I'm gonna tell you some Quentin Tarantino style uh, black history, right? <laughs> right. We're gonna tell it to you in a way that it, that it really happened, right? Unvarnished, right? So I I wrote this piece. I started it out with Mary Turner. So Mary Turner is a woman uh, in uh, she's 21 years old in 1918. Her husband. Uh, was a victim of a mass kind of lynching situation. There was a local plantation owner. The local plantation owner had a habit of going and bonding out uh, black convicts. And you could do this that, you know, you could do this at that time. You could go pay their bail and get them out and treat them as indentured serve, uh, servants uh, until they paid you back off. Right. And he had a habit of doing that with uh, chain gangs, large groups of black men. Uh, and he was known to be abusive to them. 
and somebody killed his ass. Nobody knows who, but somebody killed him. He, he did somebody wrong. So the white mobs just started rounding up black folks and, and accusing everybody of it. The town's not that big where they live. And uh, one of the people that they rounded up and hung, May Lynch, was Mary Turner. She spoke out about it. And the next night they found her. They, they rounded her up. They hung her by her feet upside down. They cut her, or they, they, they burned her clothes off her body first while she was still alive. They cut the baby out of her. And when the baby hit the ground, they stomped the baby with their boots and their, their feet. There was a memorial to this horrific incident in the town that was put up like, I don't know, years later, 2010, let's say. And that memorial has bullet holes in it, like many of the memorials of tragic black things that have happened. A hundred years later, you put up a memorial to something and it's still important enough for somebody, some joker to go out and shoot holes in the damn memorial. It wasn't enough that you cut her baby out of her and stomped. They shoot up Chairman Fred Hampton every year. Fred Hampton, Emmett Till. Uh, you can go year. down the list of, of, of oh, they deface them. They, you know, th- there's been several defacings of George Floyd uh, 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 monuments or whatever. That's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Your people uh, used to hang people upside down and cut babies out of them and stomp the babies when they hit the ground. And guess what? Here's my favorite part about it. They used to do it as a whole family. Mm-hmm. Not one, not just uh, just men, just evil men coming, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whole families, they'd bring the kids with them and they would uh, they would take pictures and those pictures became souvenirs and postcards and they would send each other postcards. We killed a nigger mm-hmm. uh, and they would cut off body parts as souvenirs from lynchings like it was a goddamn picnic. So you could be five years old, six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, hanging out with your fam, killing a black person. That's the urban legend of what picnic came from, right? It's a picnic, right? And then, like, we come out, gonna have a pic. We gonna put the blanket down, gonna watch, we gonna eat, and for the hanging. Well, they and don't forget they practice all of this on indigenous people Mm. for a couple hundred years, right? Like they, so they perfected this type of savagery. um, You know, um, for just imagine like hundreds of years. I I might even argue. That what they did with the natives in the United States, Native Americans, they practiced on Africans before they got to Native Americans with that nonsense. Well, I would were, say if you, you know, look at 1492 and what you know what was going on in there in the Bahamas, and you read Christopher Columbus's mm-hmm. diary, you know, and excerpts from that of like how he described what they were doing. Um, so much so, even that Bartholomew, one of the priests, said, "Like, yo, this is this is horrific, even for us." Um, you know, that's forget how, you that know, they brought his ass back in chains. They yeah, brought, they did. They brought Columbus. Columbus temporarily was so you know. bad <laughs> that they arrested him. His own people arrested him. He was so bad. And in his writings, he wrote, these are some of the nicest people I've ever seen anywhere. Their spirit is amazing. They are giving and generous. They will give you the shirts off of their back and I'm going to kill them (laughs) or make them be slaves. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wrote it. It's in his writings, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's going to make you feel a little uncomfortable. I wonder if we started just talking about uncomfortable history rather than, and, and not even calling it Black History Month anymore, because this isn't Black History. Because it's, it's not history. Black History, it's American and this history. Is, this is it's, white history. It's white history. Yeah, so white history. So maybe we just changed the month. Do, do we lose anything of not talking about Rosa Parks one more time? Because here, here here's the situation. The reason we know about Rosa Parks, we think, is because she sat down on a bus. 
The real reason that we know Rosa Parks is because she picked up a phone call at the NAACP and it was Reese Taylor's people. Reese Taylor was a young 20-ish person who got gang raped. And this was a swath before lynching was the big problem. Gang rapes across the country were the big problem. And Rosa Parks was the first one from the NAACP to break ground on getting this shit outlawed and getting it, bringing it to light. And that was the first civil rights battle that there are. Reese Taylor got gang raped by six white boys in her town on the way home from, from church. They came to their attorney came to her husband and said, we'll give you a hundred dollars each to drop the charges. And when he declined, they said, nigga, how much? And they literally said, nigga, nigga, how much do you think your wife is worth? Six hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Or do you think she's do do you think that she's worth more than six hundred dollars? Worth more than six hundred dollars. So does that make you uncomfortable? Should 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 we pass a law to stop you from Bro, teaching so, these so things? I'm, so I'm sending up. They would say yeah. They would say stop teaching. <laughs> they that, would say know? yeah, stop teaching yeah. that because it makes us feel bad. Well, how does it make us feel? Yo, I, I don't think that they. I don't think they even broach that when when they think about the uncomfortableness or whatever or in terms of like what they're trying to ban. They don't think about our feelings. They're thinking about their kids' feelings, and they're thinking about, damn, what if this kid becomes smart enough to come home and ask me what the hell was I doing while this was occurring? That's the problem. That's the issue. What was grandma doing? What, what was, was grandma yes. doing when this was yes. going on? Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was grandma doing when all that? If you were Generation X, your grandparents were in this generation. Might, so, they might be in so some my of those postcards. So, huh? mm-hmm. they, might, they might be in some of those postcards, smiling, you know, yeah. smiling, laughing, having a, you know, like it's a festive occasion to watch some human being burnt, be, being burnt a lot. Right. Hey, Reef, I'm glad you're from this generation. They'd have killed you. <laughs> they, they he, we all would have been in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I know, I, I but Reef would have been, been first. Reef would have been, they would have got him. <laughs> He's a troublemaker. Listen, listen, I mean, and, and I mean, our grandparents, as like many uh, many other folks, as part of the Great Migration, it was fleeing from terrorism. You know, sometimes they like to tell a story. Oh, people were just looking for jobs. Like people were being terrorized. It was like absolute terrorism unleashed. Uh, you know, unmitigated, and and folks had to flow all over the place. You know, um, I know in Philadelphia. I think South Carolina was the largest number of folks uh that ended up in philadelphia were from uh you know from south carolina mm-hmm. you know and, that and that's where my grandmothers my paternal yeah. grandmothers that's that was their story you know kkk was like yeah we're gonna you know they were looking for one of her uncles and they said you know they beat up her father and they said well we're gonna be back and we're gonna mm-hmm. kill him right and that's that's the story of so many um you know so many folks hey Reeve, you looking nice man i like that sweatshirt like, yo, man, the squad yeah, said hey. this to me, bro. The squad yeah. said this to me. <laughs> Looking nice, man. You and you had to zip every, it all the way up because you ain't got every no, week I'm you ain't got no t-shirt on. Huh? You had to zip it all, you had to zip it all the way up because you ain't got no t-shirt on, do you? First of all, I do have a t-shirt. And what like oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyways, back to the show. What uh um, so so Charles, I'm gonna kick it to you for this I see brother's chest not, not to tell way? not to tell some horrific story, because I just did that. I just told you three, I could tell you more, I could tell you a lot more. Uh let me let me just wedge one in real quick. I just was looking up the punishments for learning to read today, mm. uh, the, under the anti uh anti-literacy laws. <laughs> and extremity. I, I, somehow I had missed that part. If you go and read the so-called slave narratives, 
the the writing project the United States did when they went and asked slaves, uh, formerly enslaved people, what they had went through, the stuff around learning to read and mm-hmm. having to hide it that you had. I always knew it was bad, but man, when I went and looked up the punishments that people were getting they're getting digits cut off as they they have doctors specifically just for digit removal right uh for learning to read and 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 keep in mind explain some of it if you were free right and and you were in that county or that town it may have been illegal for you to learn as well so depending on where you know where because they looked at you know what frederick Douglass say you know, knowing how to read makes you unfit to be enslaved, unfit right? And so they were I mean, like, yeah, they would, I mean, they would even punish white people that that taught black people how to read. Like it was, it was. Yeah. But for for the people, Chris, you said digits. I don't think a lot of people are familiar with that term. So let let our people know when you say fingers. they hire doctors just yeah. for digits. Yeah, let to remove them. your fingers. Yeah. So so you would get your ass whooped the first time yeah. around with an inch of your life. Uh, if you tried to read again, you would get whooped with a different uh, method. The first method was considered to be a lighter method. The second one would really damn near kill you. If it happened again, you started losing limbs, including beheadings. That was the one that threw me off. So so the slaves reported beheadings for people that went too far down the literacy chain. Imagine being so worried that a people are going to read that you need to go to these type of barbaric uh, links and then imagine hundreds of years later not wanting to tell anybody that you did that. Imagine think, trying, you know, trying to hide that trying from to the record. That, yeah. mm-hmm, trying to erase that from the record. Well, I think that's that's. I mean, I think that reads into your question, all right. And I think part of the reason why literacy is such a big thing for you know for all of us um, is because it does. It is a representation of freedom. It is a representation of like you know uh, uh, the possibility of what life could be. And somewhere along the line, things have gotten cloudy and to the point where our people. Some of us don't never knew, but as a collective people, we are forgotten. Like, yo, this is one of the most precious things that we have. It was so important that we invested in this because, as Sharif said, from what Douglas said, it makes you unfit to be a slave. And knowing how to read is just step one, right? We ain't even talking about literacy and being able to, like, you know, really take and process and do things like that, right? So um, if people are willing to kill you, willing to physically cut off parts of your body, to keep that piece away from you. And now you can do it at any point in any kind of way. And now you got the internet in your pocket, right? Like, do you understand the mind F that needed to happen to where right. you got to this place and we not just having reading circles all the time? You know what I mean? Like if you told me I couldn't drink soda, actually in this country, we did this. It was called <laughs> when they took, when they took alcohol away, they made underground clubs for it. They bootleg, which is a lot of the billionaires in our country are rich because they were bootleggers, just FYI, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon, <laughs> as soon as they lifted that, people was poured in the street to drink and, and do all this stuff. What if we had literacy drunks? <laughs> what if we, what if, what if there was a term for you read so much, there was an alcoholic equivalent to somebody who just reads and processes information all the time? And it was a black person. I think what if what if we were trauma so traumatized by the former situation and the people who did it to us and they're the ones coming to us now trying to teach us how to read? Yeah. What 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 if mm. we had an entire seven hundred billion dollar industry that has all the information about how to be successful to teach us how to read and teach kids how to read and they're not using it for some mysterious reason? Some really weird, bizarre reason. I don't get it. 
Well, I mean, you have to understand what Google built for, though. Like we talk about this on this show and we've referenced these books and less than 20 seconds. I'll let somebody else uh, go deeper into it. But schools were not built to just enlighten your kids. It wasn't built for black kids to just be free. Right. There was an argument between the South and the North. The North wanted you to just work like we need you smart enough so you can be working and not, you know, and we want to make sure that you're docile. The South didn't want nobody going to school. Right. They didn't want white people going to school and they didn't want black people going to school. So, you know, I mean, I think that like schools are used as indoctrination tools to make you uh, a nation state, right? So for instance, if I'm Native American, I came here, you want to be with us, cool. That's why they show you, the one thing that that does get through is they'll show you the Native boy, you know, at the beginning of the school year and then he's in a suit and tie in the next Mm -hmm. year. And we didn't just do it here, right? You can look at ancient Japan when they went from samurai to like, you know, being more in the Western world and a lot of people fought that and there were wars fought around that. So Mm -hmm. schools, are to make you like, that's why you do the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Like, we don't want to build people that's dissident to the country. We don't want to build people that that question everything that it does, right? They, you want to build people that are super proud of this place, you know, so every time people talk about the South and education, the South laughs at you because it's like, nah, we, we did what we're supposed to do. Our people love this country. Our people don't see nothing wrong with this country. Our people will say this is the best country in the, on the planet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It does not help a nation that's trying to be the leader of the world, the leader of the free world, uh, to have people constantly questioning their authority and how they attained it. Just for the record. Don't you say was, it. Don't you say right. it. All right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're, we're jump in. He, he don't disavow, bro. Were you about to no, disavow? No, I'm not disavowing. No, oh, okay, it, was, it was beautiful, but there wasn't no under 20 seconds. Re- it was. Jump in here. <laughs> no, but it was worth it. It was yeah, worth it. It was. It was beautiful. Yes. Yeah, he always acted like he got some timer or somewhere. You know he said mean? it. <laughs> I do. I have well, one now. <laughs> no, I'm ahead. talking about Ray. No, I, I mean, I, and I would say, the one thing I would say is like, yes, those schools, but then remember, there were also independent schools that were mm-hmm. doing something Absolutely. for you know, uh, the success of black children for the, you know, uh, liberatory efforts. And, and um, you know, so like all of that, even from way back when. So whether they were, you know, um, you know, every year we do in partnership with Citizen Ed and, and the center and Philly Seventh Ward, we do this, you know, Black Educator Hall of Fame series. And, you know, to read about people who were starting schools in caves, you know, they were you started a school in a cave, in an underground cave, like you're doing it for a particular reason. You know, on a steamboat on the Mississippi, you know, like you're doing it for a particular reason. Um, when Booker T. Washington and uh, I think Mary McLeod Bethune had those buses, right? It was like traveling, you know, school bus, so, you know, kind of like Mama Gwen has up in, uh, you know, Connecticut, right? Like they were like bringing the school to people um, because they were so, you know, far out. So, yeah, you know, like it was always looked at as like, all right, how do we make sure this education piece? Um, and then how was education even looked at? You know, when we think about this transatlantic uh, slave uh, trade and terrorism, you know, what part of, you know, how Africans thought about education, how they thought about learning, how they thought about children, you know, maybe was strained, but not broken. Right. And so even even through all the terrorism, what are the points about educating the youth and the children and, and communal learning that did not break that it was it was, you know, strained under, you know, immense duress. Um, but what were the, all the things that they did to say, you know what, it's strained, but not completely cut off. And then how did that manifest itself with a little wiggle room, um, you know, during Reconstruction and then everything that they had to do, you know, all the way up until today. So well, talk a little bit before 
This is where all three of you guys are going to be apostates and you're going to have to, each of you have something to add to what I'm about to say. Uh, I went back as getting ready for this tonight. First of all, this uncomfortable history month can't just be for right wing white people. It's got to be for left wing white people too. Cause y'all be doing some things that uh, we have some, we have some history for you too. That's going to make you uncomfortable. So, so let's give it to the left wing. Now I went back and started reading uh, uh, the book. We all read, uh, um, Blacks in the South. Mm -hmm. uh, um, what's the name of the book? Come on, help me. Education of Blacks in the South. Right. So <laughs> there's a passage that I got stuck on that was like, these Black people who are starting these schools down here, y'all coming down here from the North to help them out and everything. And they want you to know that they don't see you as like the salvation of all salvations because they've already started Sabbath schools and they like those better than what you're offering. And they like their independent schools better than what you're offering. So if you're going to come and help, come and help, but don't come and think you're coming from a superior position and that they've, they're just waiting for you to drop it. And it was literal like notes, case notes of people uh, white folks who are coming down, like just mad that we weren't more grateful. Like, like, just like, you know, we can't believe that we open doors and they still want to go to their own schools, their own Sabbath schools or whatnot. Um, talk a little bit about the history. Two of you run independent public schools. Uh, we've all talked about independent schools, period, and independent black schools, period. And we've all read this book that basically tells us that maybe it's an uncomfortable part of history, but black folks going all the way back didn't need the thing that like your, your public school system wasn't our salvation. We, in fact, we created it <laughs> uh, and then we still kept doing other things. So anybody want to jump in on that one? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll jump in. Uh, so a couple things, right? First, first, uh, I want to talk about um, what you were talking about with, with, with the uh, Educator Hall of Fame uh, from the center, from Brightbeam and from Philly 7 Ward. Um, I want to plug Reef because if he brought 10 kids in his basement, then that would be like sort of like a cave. That's the first thing. The second thing. <laughs> hey, 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 Cole, start that timer, please. Start that timer. <laughs> the second thing is, um, I, I, so it makes me think about Dr. Jarvis Gibbons, and we need to get him on the show uh, with his book, uh, Future Pedagogy, because, you know, with all these folks that are banning teaching and banning how you can approach uh, teaching of American history, even though it's uncomfortable, uh, for um, even though it's uncomfortable for for, for, for white kids, um, we have to start. Uh, if they are going to do this and they are going to get away with this, we need to start teaching teachers how to like have that book underneath the desk. So when they walk in class and they're doing their observations and they're doing whatever, uh, you know, teachers can just pull that book out and teach the real history the right way. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard to do it in Virginia with that with that hotline, the CRT hotline. They got coming snitch out, line. Whatever, yeah. Right? The That's all right. They're going to they gonna crash it again. You know, yeah. we, just need, then, we need those techies <laughs> on the on, you know riding with us to crash that type of garbage. Yeah. And then I think the, the last thing uh, with, with respect to what you're saying about independent schools is that, you know, I, I feel like that's the beacon of school choice, man. I, I feel like you have to put out a good product in order for, for, for families to see it and then allow families to come in and see, you know, exactly what they're choosing. And nine times out of 10, they're going to choose the best school that, that fits their kid. And when they are given the opportunity and the space to, to make those decisions, regardless of however uh, white folks on the left, uh, try to shame them and bastardize their choice, right? They're still going to make the best choice uh, for for their kids. Well, and 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 Charles and and Sharif, I'll bring y'all in based upon any of the uncomfortable history that came out of that book, for instance, uh, where we're we just getting it wrong now. I think it would be good to talk about. But I just want to pull a ray when it comes to school choice. I disavow. 
I disavow. I am now for the right of historically marginalized people and racially marginalized people to have 100% sovereignty and self-determination and how they develop the intellect of their young people. And that is something very different than what school choice is becoming and is, yeah. and is being. So school choice can k- kiss my black ass and self-determination mm. of no, no, listen, historically no, marginalized wait, 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 wait. people. I disavow from yeah. that. But then secondly, right? But here's the, here's, here's the thing that I need for, I need to drill down on this, right? I need, I need for this, I need for you to focus on this, right? So your ass can't be black when it's convenient for you. Either it's beige or it's black. Which one is it? Kiss my beige ass. All Kiss right. both cheeks, <laughs> but the beige ass uh, school choice can. And 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 you know what is up? What replaces that? What replaces it is historically marginalized and racially marginalized people being able to have one hundred percent sovereignty and uh, self determination in determining how their young people will be developed intellectually. That's a different concept. Doesn't have a sweet little name. Doesn't have a hashtag yet. We ain't developed a hashtag. It'll come at some point. But for right now, get the, get with get with this dance. <laughs> School choice. You about to lose your job. Anyways, uh, y'all jump in. Jump jump in. Uh, uh, Charles, I was actually looking to you because you did a whole ass book club on this yes. book. And there were so many nuggets out of it that I think are our contemporary people have forgotten about us in our own history. Yeah, I think that one, I think that we sometimes uh, forget that we are on our own. And I think that we keep trying to, you know, not to, I think people overuse the term, but I mean, you know, you, you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. I think that school systems and districts and stuff is part of that at times. I think that um, if we just look at our Asian brothers and sisters in like certain communities, every Chinatown and there's Asian schools all around. So basically they have the school apparatus that they go to, but then they have Chinese school and you can choose in Oakland. Those kids have to either go on the weekend or they go after school where they're getting infused with their own culture, uh, their own level of rigor, the things that they want in that community. I think that we forgot about the invisible institution that we created. And for those that don't know, the invisible institution was when in churches and black churches when uh, uh, during slave times and a white overseer was there. They put codes in uh, that had a bunch of messages in there. And then that's how the black religious entity became a place for academic reckoning for black folks and and a place to kind of keep things in check. But I think that we should start building what I call school boosters, independent entities that don't. And this ain't even about beefing with unions or pro-charter, anti-charter and none of that stuff. I'm talking about things that ain't even called a school, but they're teaching us the things that we need to know. For instance, Where's our black rites of passages, right? And let me just give you an example. I'm reading right now. I love Akbar. Right now I'm reading uh, New Visions for Black Men. Uh, and one of those things he talks about is the black male development, right? He talks about three stages. And we don't, you don't never hear about this in school. And he said it goes from male, boy, to man. And the way that he tells that story is, let's think of it as caterpillar, cocoon, and butterfly. And he breaks Mm -hmm. down those stages. And the way that he breaks down those stages and what he's basically saying is, there's a lot of people that think that they are men, but they're actually cocoons walking around with legs. And that shit is crazy looking. And so, but if you've never been taught that, if you've never had to go through those rites of passages, and if you expect in a white institution that can't even teach kids their basic ABCs, then why would we expect anything different? Um... I mean, one thing he says, boyhood is like a cocoon for growth and transformation towards the ultimate objectives of becoming a man. The difficulty arises when the appropriate time is passed and you still have a boy's mind when it comes to becoming transformed into a man. These become the adult bodies occupied by the minds of boys. It is as strange as it would be to see a cocoon with legs. Where are you going to get that from? 
And then what's the what's the what's the black woman equivalent of that? Like, what is a what is the thing that's helping us become our best selves that includes literacy, that includes those mathematics, but in ways that we can actually relate to and we can use in practice to help save ourselves? Because, again, ain't nobody coming. I don't need I don't want to just get that. I'm going to support the charter school and the traditional school and the private school and all that stuff. But even in the charter school, they can snatch that away from you. Why don't we build things that is just ours that cannot be taken away? All this stuff don't require a lot of money. Some of this is just will. Some of this is just will and know-how. We got that. And we have to lean on the ancestors and knowing our history because they did way more with way less. Right after a, a whip was fresh off of their flesh. We have no excuse. I mean, that's like poetry in a lot of ways. It's deep. The only thing that it made me think about as you were talking was we have been taught all along, though, that success is leaving behind things and integrating. So leaving leaving behind the South and going north, leaving behind black unions and going into white unions, leaving behind old neighborhoods and going into uh, public housing uh, while everybody else was going into to uh, houses that were backed by the government and giving up our teachers and our schools for other people's teachers and other people's schools, giving up our ped- pedagogy for other people's pedagogy, giving up our companies and businesses for other people's companies and businesses, giving up our insurance companies in Durham for other people's insurance companies, giving up our black entertainment uh, television for other people's uh, uh, Viacom, right? Like we have been taught all along that success is in the earning and selling out and infiltrating and whatever, but we did, we have not been given the Chinatown strategy, the Jewish strategy, the Korean strategy, the Italian strategy, right? Like corner the market on something and keep it yours, feed yourself or whatever. Um, do y'all think it's realistic that we would ever be able to go back that direction when we're turning our, we, we're not even teaching our kids entrepreneurialism and the way back right. to that. We're not even telling them that that existed. So is there a way back while we're still turning our kids over every day to a whole ass other? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think there is because it, it's happening in, in different spurts, right? You know, I'm, I'm part of a, a black gun club, you know, all, you know, all black group. There's, see, you don't you know, have to say it on this show, bro. Uh, like, my bad, seriously, my bad. Yeah, it's really it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about you get that knock at the <laughs> door tonight. But <laughs> <laughs> Johnny had that knock on the door, you know, lately. Like, no, is it just me? Like, what's going on? Go ahead, bro. <laughs> so, I didn't I mean, mean to interrupt you. But, no, 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 yeah. not at all. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, and I, I think Cole is, is right on, you know, like, oh, you know, we can own the out of school time, you know, in a very particular specific way um, and understanding. And it's happening. Right. It's happening in different in different spaces. And that that's the legacy. Right. When Charlie Cobb, you know, we talked about this a, a bunch of times when Charlie Cobb said, like, hey, we need to start something for the children in addition to the work that we're doing with the adults, there was a very specific rallying, uh, you know, cry around that. And like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And then how do we sustain it? Right. And so the, you know, things like that have to just, you know, uh, continue, but there's no reason why we can't own the out of school time. And I I think and I forget the percentages, but you know, our children are in school 20% of the time of the year, you know I mean? Something like that, right? Like it's 180 days out of the 365 is when they're actually in school. They're in seven hours, maybe eight, you know, so a third of each day and only half of the year. I mean, there's plenty of time outside of that for us to take responsibility, you know, um, be responsible. That collective work and responsibility, 
for a party in Guza Saba like that is if that's not the rallying cry, the blueprint that that we draw from the, uh, you know, the accountability system for ourselves and to each other, then I don't, I don't know what, you know, you know, what else, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll throw my hands up. If that ain't going to be it, uh, I don't I don't see a, a, a path forward if that's not a significant part of what we are, are committing to do as individually and as well as a collective. And it's happening in, in spots. But we need to make sure that those are, you know, almost like blood clot, you know, coming together um, and then expanding. Oh, you Jamaican now, huh? <laughs> What's a blood clot? <laughs> I think that... Um, cat skills people, bro. I do think in what Charles just said and what you just said, Sharif, is the answer. I think it's 100% the answer. I feel like the bridge there is like you have to show people like yep. the pathway to things. And I think that's the part where we struggle, not us by ourselves. The struggle, I think, really is being able to give people a hope and a vision that has some next steps, like 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 step A happens and then step B happens or whatnot. I would love to see. I don't have a plan for this, but I would love to see what Charles said earlier. Like he said, what if we were getting drunk on literacy? Right. Like if what if, you know, like after prohibition, people got drunk in the streets. Right. And what if literacy became our get drunk thing on? I would love to see um, a movement like a, a cultural movement, a movement of this is what we do. It's like, this is, it's just part of our story. You know, the, the, the library trips, the black author support, support of black authors, all that stuff. You're doing it right now. You're doing it right now with the book club. Doing it, it feels like, he, here's, we started this tonight talking about the NFL and we were talking about the number, y'all told me it was like th- two thirds of the people are black in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the actual number is, but I thought I heard you guys say seventy percent. Seventy percent. That's a lot of. That, that's a lot of. Like collectively, if all those people are of one mind, the NFL changes tomorrow, right? Um, um, because I mean, that's the majority of all your people, right? So, so the idea that it's possible, but you're not doing it, it seems like a big problem. Like right now we have untapped power. We have kinetic power. We have power that is there. It's available. But until we stop being so individual about things, like individualized about things and more collective, it seems hard to know how we'll get to the next thing. We got people right now that don't want us to get out of the regular schools. We got people that work in the regular schools now who 100 percent want us to stay there. Right. Yeah, man. I, I think I think we get uh, Ray. Was I cutting you off, brother? I think you was about to speak. My bad. Yeah, I, I was just I was just talking about I was shooting some bell to the athletes because like they work hard all their lives in order to get to that space to where, you know, they are able to compete at a high level. And so to come in and ask them, to, hey, give yourself up. Now, everybody wants to be Kaepernick. Right. We would hope and pray that we would have more folks that would be willing to risk it all. But that's just not where we are as a society. Unfortunately, and everybody doesn't become now, as you said, right? Like with Craig Hodges, you yes. know, yeah. uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, like they, yes. you know, it wasn't yes, like this sir. kind of platform yes, afterwards, yeah. uh, you know, in the way that people right. rallied around, uh, you know, Kaepernick. I mean, his coach, right? We'll see if this, if Brian Flores ever coaches again in the NFL. I mean, it might be tough for him, you know what I mean? We, I hope he does, but I, I mean, you don't have to be like. Like great. Well, I don't know. I was about to say something different because now I'm about to say you don't have to be great in that way. You could be great. Like and the person I'm about to say was great. But um, like one of my favorite movies of this last year was it was that King Richard movie. Right. Yeah. I still got to see that. Yeah. Right. It was a king. And, yeah. you know, he's in the middle of a bad situation and he's raising, you know, some champions in the middle of a right. bad situation, doing all he can uh, uh, to make it happen. 
Right. You know, he's not some massive athlete. <laughs> but you know, but, but my plan, my the plan that I'm thinking about, and, and, and I don't even think it costs for that much sacrifice. Listen. I've always been the one. I'm not the person that's going to tell you to quit your job and follow your dreams. I, I lived. I was home. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I just, I'm just saying, like, my dad was one of the people that kept losing jobs. And it's like, there's consequences to that. Uh, you end up in a, in a shelter. Right. So, listen, you got to send your kids to school, whatever school that is, whatever the case is. I don't want you going to jail. I watched them people tell my mama that she'd go to jail if she put me in the wrong school. I watched. I saw it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So send your kids to school. I'm talking about independent, separate boosters. Uh, it could be in somebody's house. It could be at somebody's church or mosque. It could be at the, it, it, and, and like, listen, man, right now we are trying, they're trying to suck us into what I call boss hog beef. Boss hog beef is when two people that ain't got shit to do with you is it, two, is rich, two right, rich entities of unions that's ran by white people. And even the school choice movement at some points that's ran by white people. When y'all start talking about other shit and it's like, this ain't got nothing to do with me. Like this ain't that ain't my thing, right? I want to build something where I ain't got to deal with nobody. Now, listen, if 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 this benefits me, black people have to start putting themselves first and what is best for them. As Sharif would like to say, no, no permanent enemies, no permanent friends. But here's the thing: I rock with you because there is a thing here that is benefiting me and my people. As, as soon as it starts benefiting those people, man, you don't really rock with each other. You know what I'm saying? Unions can actually pick that up, too, if they needed to. My point is build something that don't even this don't even step in on the on the choice people. This don't step in on the union people. I ain't talking about nothing that's replacing school yet. You got to get strong first. But I'm talking about just social clubs where we are actually making sure if I had a kid, I want to. Can I send him over to Ray? And I know Ray is specializing in this, that and the third. Like, yo, here's some East Coast skills that you need to know. Blah, 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 blah. Cool. Can I do I got somebody in the South that, you know, where people have skills germane to the place where they live? Like, do we have entrepreneurship clubs? Like these are things that don't cost money. These are things that if we took all the skill from our young people of how they learn how to make TikToks and what we doing here and all that stuff, we for damn sure can like build out something around entrepreneurship. We can for damn build out something around how to build healthy food. We can for damn sure build out something around how to be literate to a point for a reason. Right. Like we can do that. But you have to see it and you got to believe it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that but I think that that's the though they issues is not my issues. I got my own issues and I'm not mad at them people. I ain't got a beef with you all. That's the thing. I don't, it ain't about y'all. It's about us. It ain't about changing y'all hearts and minds. It's about what we need to do for our people and our babies. And the four of us are smart as hell. And we got some access to some stuff and we got a, you know what I'm saying? So that's just, I don't know, man, I'll stop there, but I really truly believe that. Um, I talked to y'all about my cousin, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to figure that out, man. And I'm going to teach that baby something. I don't, I don't know how, but I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, I think two things you, you know, you, you brought up, uh, you know, one around this entrepreneurship, you know, you're talking about like this hidden black history, what, you know, a lot of times, uh, and, and uh, Chris facetiously brought up George Washington Carver, who was brilliant. He wasn't the only one, right. You know, the fact that our children don't know, um, at, you know, that there were 50,000 patents between 1870 and, and 1940, you know, whatever that industrial revolution time was, 50,000 patents, you know, um, by, you know, given to black people, you know, and most of them were up in the north. And because you can imagine down the south where you might not even be able to enter some of those offices. And so you hand it to the friendly white guy who then steals your patent. Right. Um, You know, that was rampant. But 50,000 patents. Right. During that industrial revolution. You know, so not just 
you know, Madam C.J. Walker and and um, right. and and uh, Louis Latimer and and Thomas Garrett and and Morgan, like not just them, fifty thousand, right? And so that kind of entrepreneurial spirit has been going on, you know, for and just think about how many people during enslavement and in the South were creating and building and thinking and um, using ingenuity and proving things and all that kind of um, you know all that kind of stuff. And then the other piece where you're talking about like just the uh, you know, the, the, the space to teach uh, children and it can, it can happen after school, you know, and, and I, mm-hmm. and we, when y'all came to Philly, we got to ride by, you know, Nithamusasa, right. You know, and, and the school that, you know, uh, you know, hosted us. Hey, and uh, they put and some taught. respect on your name too. They knew what it was. Yeah, that was cool. That was, I mean, that was, it's been closed years out. You know, we were on the, on the porch and, you know, that guy came out. And then when we said like, oh, we were part of, you know, I used to go to school here. It's like, oh, the African free school, you know, and this was, you know, but that was part of the history in that community, right? Like, just imagine like, you know, this is decades later, yet there was still that imprint in that community. And, you know, and I put in the Patreon, you know, just a small clip you know, about a 10 minute clip of, you know, interviews with some of the teachers and some of my classmates. Right. And that started in someone's house. You know, it started mm-hmm. in a at a, you know, uh, a building on LaSalle's campus. Those are the things that can continue. You know, like it does it. You know, it eventually moved into that building we visited on on uh, West Queen Lane. But right. it was in it was in a home. It was in a community kind of center. That is what could happen. Um, you know, so join the Patreon. You can check out, you know, that that clip and and see this is these are just snippets of what um, you know what was going on, and that was built off the legacy, and that means we can also build off of that legacy. So, all right, well, the game is over. Rams won, so we can just continue now. <laughs> L.A. in the house. All right, good. Are you an L.A. guy now? Is that what's something. happening? I'm glad. No, I've always been an L.A. guy. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, bro, you, yeah, bro, you just, you, we just talked about ten minutes about the Minnesota uh, era with Denny Green, and you sitting up here talking about you are you are you an L.A. fan now? No, L.A. Period. <laughs> okay. I ain't mad at do you think, yeah, L.A. Period. The city, the L.A. The L.A. The city. Period. Hey, is that is that one of the stops? Is that one of our stops? Is that going to be one of our stops? It is going to be one of our stops. Uh, so people, when, they, when we're asking one of our stops, Where? we're rolling the final thoughts here. But uh, Eight Black Hands are planning a national tour. You should bring us to a city near you and uh, have us there. We do live shows, and while we do a live show, we spend the day before the actual show uh, talking to young people as school leaders and visiting schools and building networks wherever we go so that we can have a larger movement and a larger network nationally. So if you are with anyone who can host the eight black hands in your city, uh, we are planning a 12 city tour now. And by planning, I mean, we really are in the planning phase of making it happen. Yes to your question, Ray, LA was one of the stops uh, um, that uh, seemed to emerge on that list uh, um, and uh, and others, which I won't name because they are still in progress. But there's also a couple other things to plug number one our patreon group uh so our uh eight black hands literary society has been the outgrowth of our patreon group the mothers of the movement within the eight black hands uh specifically have taken over a year two years ago uh and started a book club which now has uh become a full-blown literary society just met with them in philly and they are dope 
And if you want more information about them, you can get to me or you can look for uh, Friends of Eight Black Hands on uh, on Facebook or you can go to our Patreon group. And uh, Mama Toya, who's one of the leads there, will be happy to help you in. The last thing I'm going to plug is uh, we have a Thursday night uh, book club with Sean Dove right now for his book, I Too Am American, on loving and leading Black men and, and uh, boys. If you're interested in that, you can also uh, reach out to me. We'll get you into that uh, Thursdays, 7 o'clock uh, Central Time. Anyways, let's roll into final thoughts. So we started with, uh, with uh, I'm going to challenge you all. <laughs> this is going to be a test. This is going to be like a, a, the worst standardized test. I'm going to challenge you all to wrap it all together. So we started in, in, in the NFL and diversity problems and collective power that's unrealized. And we ended up with uncomfortable stories in history and the need for us to be autonomous and to have our own things and to take control of our out of school time. In your final thoughts, Let's test you to see if you can wrap all those random items together into anything that sounds like one message. If not, just say I pass uh, and then I will win and then you will all owe me money. Uh, <laughs> who should we start with? Uh, let's start uh, 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 with Ankrum. So I'm definitely not uh, going into this competition with anybody. My final thoughts are my final thoughts, and I'm not going to allow you to dictate what my final thoughts are. Forfeit. At no time, no point whatsoever. And the timer's on, too. So, yeah, it's cool with the timer being on. So, yo, first of all, I want to shout out Reef, right? I I give him hell, but I got to say that he threw the red carpet out when we came to Philadelphia and everything was amazing. Uh, One of the the most special things that I've seen was uh, we went to, I think, the the Johnson Museum. Reef, you can correct me. the Johnson House. Yep, you're right. The Johnson Johnson House, right? So the Johnson House was basically, Mm -hmm. uh, and Chris had uh, shared some pictures with folks with regards to, like, how uh, slaves used it as a re- enslaved folks used it as a refuge in order to uh, escape uh, uh, slave hunters and so we went to this we went to this space a gentleman came out and was like nah we closed it's COVID right and then the last thing you can see Reef, uh, hear Reef say uh, going away walking away was I'm a monthly contributor right and so three minutes later we had the CEO of the Johnson House came out and she called his name. She was like, Sharif Elmecki? Right? So, like, she knew who he was. And so my challenge to all of you, all of you that are listening to this, this podcast right now, be the Sharif in your city. Let folks know who you, make folks know who you are so that when you are, are, are trying to um, build community and knock down doors for others, uh, folks are welcoming to you based off of your contributions to them. So shout out, Reef. It'll never happen again. <laughs> Good. I hope not. I hope not. That was awkward. That was awkward. You know, but I, I would say, you know, uh, Sharif, we'll go to you. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, I, I think you know. It also reminds me, you know, like Chris challenged all of us uh, a couple years ago to all be philanthropists, and I know the Johnson House. I'm a monthly contributor because my mother. Um, was a huge fan of, of that space. You know, that was, again, one of the places we would visit when I went to Nithamusasa. That used to be part of our, you know, part of our curriculum was to visit spaces like that. They hosted us as, you know, um, even as an adult and and, and those kind of, um, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, we can give and we can share and we can sponsor, we can mentor, you know, all those kind of things. But, you know, Chris talked about being a philanthropist uh, and and doing that lifting as we climb. Uh, that Mary Church Terrell uh, taught us. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed y'all being here, man. I wish it was like a longer time and, you know, the uh, and having the Patreon members here 
was just special. I was so glad that some of the center um, uh, team was able to come and, and meet folks and everything. So I, I, I just had a, a fantastic time um, and looking forward to the next one, you know, um, and visiting Shoemaker. You know, I got an email from one of the students the other day, like, when they coming back? I'm like, they're gone. You know, they, they thought y'all were st- still in town. I'm like, no, they are, they are gone. They're back in their cities doing the work. Um, Chris mentioned sovereignty um, this past week. Uh, I, I just had an amazing time with, you know, so many uh, ed leaders, um, you know, and uh, one of the sisters, uh, Diana, Deanna, uh, she's, uh, she was a Native American. Uh, she lives in, o- she's from Oklahoma. And she had this, uh, uh, this sweatshirt that had a, had a quote. And it says sovereignty. And then Chris brought up sovereignty. It made me think of it, um, you know, and Sovereignty in education lies at the heart of any lasting solution. Sovereignty in education lies at the heart of any lasting solution. Um, and, and Chris, I, I invited Deanna to uh, a Freedom Friday show. She's looking forward to, you know, coming on and talk about the indigenous, um, you know, community and their uh, outlook on schools their outlook on treaty schools where very similar to freedom schools, where it was that level of independence that we all talked about, that self-determination, Kujichakalia, that we all talk about um, incessantly and how they are trying to, uh, how they've realized it and how they're continuing uh, to pursue that. And then lastly, uh, you know, EJI Institute, if you're not um, part of their um, membership or, uh, you know, uh, mailing list, you know, make sure you join that. Um, you can learn a whole lot about white history, you know, uh, as my mother used to say, don't call it white, uh, supremacy, call it what it is. She said, call it white savagery, because that's what, that's what you saw so many times, um, over the last, uh, 500 years. All right. That's dope. Dr. Dr. Cole, what's up, man? Yeah, man. Uh, well, one, uh, thank Thank y'all for this. For, the, for uh, I'm glad we got to see each other today, man. I'm glad y'all had a really good time in Philly. Uh, and like I told y'all, we reading this in, in my book club that we do on Saturdays with black men. I would say I'll end on this, man. I talk about self-determination and agency all the time. And that's a three-legged stool, right? Like, And at the top of that is awareness, navigation, and duty. So I'll just give you awareness and hopefully this kind of wraps in all of those things. And Naeem Akbar, uh, these will be his words, but I think that they're very clear on why we need to be aware and what awareness is. Awareness is the ability to see accurately what really is. Not what one wants, not what one dreams the world to be based upon his or her wants, needs, and demands, but an accurate picture of where you stand in space, time, and in relation to other human beings. We have to start seeing things for what they are. We got to stop making these, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I think is, there's a time and place for us to be thinking about our futures and and imagining those things. And we should always be doing that. But I think in order to actually fix the condition that we're in, one must first be aware of the condition that they are in. And I think that if we were able to talk to every single person that looked like us, I don't think that we would actually see, I think we would see exactly where we were and that we're not close to that at all. So first we got to become more aware. Uh, And secondly, all of our work, all of our brilliance, everything that we have does not have to flow through schools. Schools, it would be great if that happened. I want to see us transform those things and whatnot. But if we just going to keep waiting for that apparatus that's been broken, that is broken and that thrives on being broken because black people being dumb and messed up is far too lucrative to change it. Then we got to do something about it on our own 
Or if not, then we're going to keep getting what we get. And we're going to have a few stars that rise up to the top every few years. And then we're going to have a group that comes out and off the death of black males and then takes all the black mention of males off of their off their website and then get millions and millions of dollars that can't nobody find. And when we brought the question up, people said that we was hating and this, that and the third. Mm -hmm. So uh -oh. go find the millions and then come holler at me because don't talk to me about us not being able to generate money because that generated a hell of a lot of money. Sure did. Hey, Chris, before you go into your final thought, I just want to shout out some really good news for folks that follow fashion. I just copped a Yeezy Gap jacket. I think it, I don't even know, like... I, you just hey, stepped on my greatness for that, hey, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> I think what Ray is doing, this is this is like, this is very important because Ray is a very smart person. I think Ray, Ray is acting in real time, he's doing a play role play for us of why we can't get anywhere. Um, he's, he's role playing in real time. So, so we're role playing now. So you say all this profound stuff about having agency and taking over our world. And he says, Hey, how about if we be a consumerist for a millionaire billionaire who has already made all of his money and keeps selling us trashy shit. Nah, so so it was role playing. Hard. It was role playing. I get it. So I like it. I, I, got I like it. They did the show. Anyways, uh, they, they wear yuckies. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry for cussing. Uh, consumerism, militarism. You cussed that right. That's right. You know, yeah, well, yeah, I know. Uh, um, uh, you know, Dr. King was talking about, uh, and his what got him killed really is talking about the the triplets, uh, racism, materialism, and militarism, uh, and and uh, you know I, that comes to mind sometimes when I think about just how big. The world is uh, here. We go. Here we go. All right. Let's see. Let's see this consumerism. Ray, for people listening in the future, if you're listening to this in a podcast, Ray is showing up a very expensive pair of uh, forward-thinking, forward-looking shoes that come straight out of Dune or something like that or whatever. They are uh, are from a, a MAGA guy. So, anyways, very expensive uh, pair of shoes. Uh, Good, good, Ray. Good on you. Um, listen, uh, you know, I think you guys hit on a lot of profound stuff already. I think that one of the biggest problems for us and for leaders is to make things simple for people. And too often it feels like you have to boil the ocean. It's too much to take in. If you just think about all the world, all those problems, all the history, why we're in the situation we're in right now, the situation itself that we're in right now, it can just make you want to shut down. Like make you not want to do anything but party. Just have a good time. Because like if it's too much. It's a lot like to take through any brain that's not a black brain already would have broken. Right. Like black people have been trained to kind of still go on living or whatnot. So for people who say, oh, well, you know, it's not slavery anymore. You guys need to get over it. Blah, 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 blah. The fact that we are here right now having a good time talking about Yeezys and, you know, talking in the three hundred dollar microphones and, and being able to blah is an act of God in itself that mm -hmm. after 400 years that this is what we're doing right now. You should bow down to us. You should never talk ill of us in any way, shape or form for any kind of victimization or weakness, because we have survived and have done something and continue to have a cognitive load that you would never understand in your privileged position from the outside. You would have cracked four or five times. You think putting a mask on your face is the worst civil rights abuse that you've ever faced in your entire goddamn life. Right. And you out here talking, oh, my God, I'm going to shoot up the government because they're making me put a mask on. Really? And 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 veteran minorities are looking at you like, oh, really? 
really, this is this is the biggest thing that has ever happened to you. So for our people, I think simple, small steps, small things that people could do um, help you with the overwhelmed part, like not be overwhelmed. Right. Start a little, you know, bus to to get. First of all, listen, if you could afford fifteen dollars a month on anything, make sure that one of these organizations gets your fifteen dollars. The ones that are doing great work and need your money. When I say everybody can be a philanthropist, literally everybody can be a philanthropist. You know, you can afford uh, Netflix and everything else. You can afford kind of black flicks too, uh, um, and and put your money where your mouth is. Especially if it has anything to do with literacy or reading or youth or young people or um, mm-hmm. um, or books or supplies or uh, field trips. Field trips are amazing. Um, so you don't have to boil the ocean. You can do small stuff. Uh, that that principal that's in your near neighborhood that you see kind of like fighting left and right to try and do something for kids or whatnot. What, what are you doing for that principal? Back them up. Like, you know, like, hey, listen, at very least, bring them something to eat once in a while or whatnot. At very most, show up on a regular basis and say, what can I help you with? What can we do here? What kind of revolution can we start? Not for the whole world, just for these four blocks, just for these four blocks that I live in or whatnot. Um, you're an uncle. You don't have any of your own kids. You're an aunt. Don't have any of your own kids or whatnot. It gives you some extra hands. Right. Uh, to do some stuff. Right. Uh, um I feel like we need a big plan, but I also feel like it's not realistic. We are, our cognitive load is so heavy right now. We're carrying so much uh, that we need small things. Uh, Charles, I think, has got the right plan. Like this out of school time thing, uh, the stuff I see with reconstruction.us right now, Mm -hmm. for people listening to me right now, they got scholarships, right? So if you have black children in your family that need to get in and get some black Khan Academy type of attention or whatnot, they've got scholarships right now. Uh, get them signed up. Boys and Girls Club, after school things, uh, um, King Richard type stuff. Everybody go out and watch King Richard, please. Um, and that's all I got right now. I think it, what, what brings it all together is we have unused, untapped power, just like the NFL does. I think to get there is a little bit pie in the sky to get everybody to do the right thing at the same time. But we don't have to have everybody doing the right thing at the same time. We just need uh, we need individuals starting to make ripples like one by one, one school at a time, one student at a time, one people at a time. That's all I got. Um, I appreciate y'all. I think we have come uh, come full circle here. Uh, we started this conversation out tonight about the NFL and how it was the worst uh, halftime show ever in the history. No, of we did not shows. do that at all. It was the greatest. It was one of the greatest of all time. Go ahead. Thank you for muting. Thank you. The hands do not agree on this. We are not in sync. Uh, anyways, uh, Bay Black Hands are happy to have been back for another free-flowing show where we get to just have fun and enjoy each other like we did in the very beginning of the show. We thank you for watching uh, and for listening and being on this journey with us. We will catch you next week with another uh, action-packed show for you. Thank you so hey, much for listening. Hey, Josh, and they can Josh should, should be the official this. camera guy. I'm, hey, I'm looking at the photos in the Slack. Yo, Josh should be the camera guy. We shouldn't have to hire nobody else. Josh is the guy. And look, they could they could uh they could rewatch this on that thing that uh that thing Cole and Anchor was talking about, whatever that you're thing. You're such, re- such a cornball. That's why we didn't put it. That's why we didn't put it. That's why we didn't put it back in the comments. Oh, what? You said that thing. Cut it, Josh. Cut us off, Josh. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole. El Mecky and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.